0: mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Today on the Zabecast, the World Series has begun, and how much would you pay for a ticket? Also, who is or is not getting gouged on these prices? Also, lesson learned, you can't fight narratives, and the bracelet always wins. Stephen A. Smith about to become an insanely rich man, and I'll take credit. All that plus seeing ghosts and drone delivery liability? Your 150-proof shot of me is locked and loaded, so drink it up. And let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019. Thank you for downloading World Series Game One, too late for this edition of the newspaper. For more coverage, do see my morning daily show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee or Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 in D.C. So, we start with the cost of tickets for the World Series. Now, I have had a very generous offer from a longtime fan of mine and of the station here in D.C., Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith has season tickets to the Nationals, and he has offered me up a ticket at face value for Sunday's game at Nats Park for a mere $265. I said I would love to take you up on that. However, I am going to be out of town. I'm going to be in Milwaukee uh, for a string of appearances beginning on Saturday. If you want to join me at the Mecca Sports Bar on Saturday at high noon Eastern, 11 a.m., Central time, we'll be watching the Buckeyes and the Badgers do battle in college football and uh, come on by and say hi. I'm going to swing by the Milwaukee Bucks home opener that afternoon, and then who knows what I'm doing on Saturday night. On Sunday night, I'll be doing a watch party at a local pub, Jackson's Pub, uh, for the Packers and the Chiefs. The Redskins will, of course, have been done with their business by Thursday. And then I was staying over into Monday, because Monday we've got our... Uh, VIP meet and greet for the winter trip, the winter vacation, which, by the way, is open for anybody, Uh, not just people in Milwaukee, but anyone in the extended Zabe family. We're going to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for a week, unsupervised. And of course, uh, uh, we're calling it Sunburn Bowl One. You know, one of these days, 10 years down the road, as this thing grows, you're going to want to say, I was at every one of them. But you can't say that if you don't go to the first one. So go to thegame.mke.com. Uh, For more information or just check my Twitter feed, you'll see it right there. So we're doing a VIP meet and greet for those who have signed up for the trip by the end of this week. A little bit of an early bird special, free drinks and food on Monday night. Now, this could be problematic because, hell, if the Nationals win the World Series in four or five games, there could be a parade on Tuesday. So I've already talked about this with my two bosses and they've agreed that the emergency bailout is to fly back early on Tuesday morning. And then be here for a parade. Now, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm just saying we have to prepare for all contingencies. Otherwise, game six and seven would be in Houston. And son of a bitch, if I wouldn't want to go, I I do want to go to a road game in Houston. And I would love to go to a game six or a seven. But I would not have as generous of an offer as my friend Jeff Smith at a mere $265. So the question then becomes, what would I pay to get in the building? for a World Series game involving my team, knowing that they may not be back in my lifetime. I mean, I know it sounds dramatic, like, oh, don't say that. (laughs) You got to think that way. First of all, the odds support it. There's only two teams that are in the championship in any sport in any given year, and you just never know when your team's going to be back. I'm 52 years old. It could be 40 years before the Nationals are back in the World Series. I hope next year... The Brewers are in the World Series. That'd be great. What, at your expense of the Nationals? Hey, if the Nats win it this year, I'd root for the Brewers to beat the Nats if needed so they could go to the World Series and win it. It'd be great for me on both ends of the radio spectrum, and I'd be very happy for all my Brewer friends in Milwaukee. But um, you just never know. Sports and being a sports fan is usually brief flurries of your team being good and or excellent and winning and winning it all, punctuated by long, long walks in the woods. Long, lonely, hopeless, where-are-we-going walks in the sports wilderness. So I don't take this for granted. So my only opportunity to go to one of the World Series games here in D.C. is Friday night, and I am leaving open that possibility. I don't know if it's going to happen. Mr. X said he had a ticket for Sunday as well. He would have sold me at Face or just above, which his tickets are nicer. They're the club suite tickets. They're 500 and some odd dollars. That would have been an easy bill to pay. And when I was saying this on the air on on Monday, or no, today, on Tuesday, and I said it on the air in the afternoon, Solly, of course, just scoffed and said, are you kidding me? for a baseball game, Jerry? And my response was, but it's the World Series. And I said, that's an easy check to write. That's an easy amount to pay because it's it's face value. We then got into a discussion about, well, what's the regular season price of a ticket of that nature? And pretty much World Series prices, I think, are running at least double to triple face value of the regular season. And I, those prices are set by Major League Baseball, not the clubs. Also, Major League Baseball claws back 20% of the capacity of each stadium for the World Series. And then the teams sell their tickets, and then the secondary market comes into play. Stubhub, SeatGeek, etc., cetera, etc. Your local guy, Vinny, down on the corner. Hey, you need two? You need two to the game? I would never feel comfortable buying tickets uh, from anyone now on the corner of like you did in the old days, because of counterfeiting. Counterfeiting is too good, too easy. I would only rely on a real website or the the, the actual league or team reseller website. My limit, and it's only because my team is in the World Series, gets to be about $1,000. That's about it. If I got a seat in the building at $999, I'd take it. I'd do it because you never know how, how long it's going to be till you go back. The thing, though, is that Solly found it to be an outrage that the team was gouging for the prices, or at least the uh, Major League Baseball, that the face value was so high. I said, they're actually not. They're doing you a favor if you happen to be season ticket holders because the real value of the tickets are triple. And that's easily evidenced by the secondary market. So the team and Major League Baseball, I don't think, are gouging you even though they've doubled or tripled the price of what it would be in the regular season because that price is still double or triple less than what the open market would bear. At least that's how I look at it. Now, they get you, the teams will get you, and they'll gouge you in in other ways such as if you're a season ticket holder. You've got to pay for, once your team is in contention for the playoffs, you got to pay for all the playoffs, including a possible seventh game of the World Series up front before the season even ends. And then, if the team doesn't make the playoffs or doesn't go any farther in the in the postseason, they don't return that money. They take that money and they put it into next year. Oh, we'll just to apply it to next year's tickets. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Oh, no, that's our policy. Take it or leave it like it or lump it. And that's why a lot of people hung in and they hang in as season ticket holders because they want that crack. They want that crack at postseason tickets at once-in-a-lifetime tickets that will cost a lot more than normal but still cost less than what they would have to pay otherwise. Prior to the game, a little kerfuffle arose from something that happened at the end of game uh, number six, it was in the ALCS, where apparently the uh, assistant general manager of the Houston Astros, Robert Taubman, Taubman, I think his name is, apparently shouted out in front of a group of female reporters, including one from Sports Illustrated, who wrote the story. I'm so glad we got Osuna. I'm so glad we got Robert fucking Osuno or, or Roberto Osuno, Osuna. Osuna. As you probably know, Osuna is a guy who served a 75-game suspension last year for a very serious case of domestic violence. Excuse my voice. And there was always a little bit of tut-tutting, and there always is when these guys get signed by some other team because the team has to walk the hypocritical and two-faced road of, we take this very seriously, but we're going to sign him because he has a sick fastball and we have a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence, but we we're so glad we got this guy fist pump under the table. So the team begins in a default sort of hypocrite position. That said, what this assistant GM was alleged to have done, while I believe it happened, mostly as it was portrayed, it is also the biggest nothing burger ever, if you ask me. At least it should be. So you're telling me that a general manager with champagne flowing sort of bat flips in the face of a couple of female reporters by saying, I'm so glad we got Osuna. Apparently, one of the reporters or the reporter in question was wearing a purple wristband that is indicative of support for victims of domestic violence. And apparently this same reporter had put out a fair amount of tweets or had written a good number of stories on that particular topic, of course being supportive of the victims and very anti-those abusers. Okay, fine. The GM was a douchebag and a dummy, if it happened as he said, because here was a unnecessary bat flip A rhetorical bat flip in the face of some reporters that he thought had been overly critical of the Astros signing this player. You can never win these things. And sure enough, when the reporter for an outfit, Sports Illustrated, that fired half of their people, including all their good people, and is desperate for clicks and relevance in today's competitive, fractured media age, Oh, my God, what more perfect of a story to write than that? I was harassed. Not they didn't say harassed, but I was intimidated by big bad mail. GM in the locker room. This is something that is just a factor of the day and age we live in. You can't win in this case. And the Astros, of course, made the mistake of initially coming out, pushing back hard, saying that the uh, interaction was Grossly misrepresented and not quite totally fabricated, but they push back like, that's not what happened. This is ridiculous. We stand by our guy. Well, that didn't last for more than 24 hours. Then the Astros started doing the moonwalk because they realized you can't beat a media narrative when the media wants it to be a thing. You can't. It's sort of an homage to the days in which they said you can't win an argument with some entity that buys ink by the barrel. If the media wants there to be a narrative, if they want to give something shelf space, if they want to make a big deal of it, they will. They will run with it because click, 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 click. Even people who are pissed off like, why the fuck is this even a story the day before the World Series? They'll hate click the story and then spend 10 minutes reading the comments from other people saying, this is such bullshit. This is a nothing story. Remember, the GM did not yell at the women directly, did not call them a name, did not interfere with them from doing their job, did not yank their press credentials, did not interfere with an interview they were trying to do, did not physically touch them. No, no, he just bat-flipped in their face. I'm so glad we got Roberto Osuna. <laughs> oh, my God, I feel so intimidated. You know, this is this is a sport in which, once upon a time, Bobby Bonilla threatened... To show a reporter the Bronx, which was not a nice invitation to go on a Sunday drive with him to get ice cream. (laughs) Reporter-manager-reporter-player interactions used to be of the roughest variety. Now, should they still be that way? Probably not. Should you treat female reporters just trying to do their job more better? Of course. But here you have a reporter who probably was closer to an advocate. And you could argue, well, okay, she's in there flaunting her purple wristband. And you know she just wanted to write a negative story somehow about Osuna. And then this guy walks up like a meathead and bat flips in her face. Next thing you know, it's a big to-do. Now baseball's investigating. Oh, God. You can't beat narratives. And as soon as they saw the element of the story of she was wearing it, purple wristband, that's when I said, okay, (laughs) you're not going to win this one. I would go into defense mode, apologize, and move on. Because I'm sure by tomorrow this non-traversy is going to be a non-story as well. Stephen A. Smith is about to become a very rich man. God bless him. Only in America, right? Stephen A. Smith, according to Andrew Marchand in the New York Post, is set to sign a new contract with ESPN of four or five years in length that will pay him upwards of t- 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 $10 million a year. Wow. What a story. What an incredible rise from nowheresville. And here's Stephen A. Smith about to become the real face of the of the of ESPN and the post Burman, post Dan Patrick world. Now, uh, <laughs> Van Pelt is kind of a face. He's the face of late night, but Stephen A. Smith is the face of daytime. They can't put Stephen A. Smith in more places if they tried. They're adding him to their NBA pregame show. They want to add him to their digital platform, ESPN+. Plus. They're apparently going to take him off a of radio so he can do even more television, which is probably a good thing. I'm here to say congratulations to Stephen A. Smith and to proudly show off this. See this mark right here? Yep, there it is. There's the, there is the uh, the mark from where Stephen A. Smith stepped on my head, as well as Scott Linn's, to crawl out of the ashes of a career that had collapsed. It was December of 2009 when I remember getting the call from my agent saying, and he was all breathless. He was like, that's it. Fox wants to go in a different direction. They're hiring Stephen A. Smith. Uh, it's a done deal. Uh, they said you'll work through the end of the year, and then, you know, uh, that's pretty much it. And I go, oh, okay, great. Now, me, Scott, and Sally have been doing that shift uh, for Fox for six years, and I think successfully we had grown the uh, affiliate base. We were getting good numbers in some markets, and we were easy, low-cost, no maintenance. Stephen A. Smith at the time, when he when he took the job, and, I mean, again, it's just – This is the nature of the business. Guys take other jobs, guys bump other guys out of places. It just, I accept it. But when Stephen A. Smith took the job, he had nothing else. He was briefly doing political commentary uh, sort of on a freelance basis. He had lost his job writing at the Philadelphia Inquirer. That led to a stint at ESPN Radio New York the first time around, that did not last. He got a show on ESPN, quite frankly, and that did not last. And he was out, done. He had nothing else going on. That's why he took a lowly radio job in the worst, most grueling time slot on the on the entire dial, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time. He even went out to L.A. a few times. I remember people telling me after that, you know, he had replaced me, that he was just complaining about how early it was. And I'm like, yeah, that's the job, man. What are you going to do? Stephen A. Smith lasted in that spot for eleven months and then moved on, and then he took wings and just began to soar and soar upwards and upwards. I remember at the time too the uh, the decision to replace us and put Stephen A. in was such a jarring change that they were hemorrhaging affiliates. Fox Sports Radio was, and they have to create. They had to create a second morning show. I think it was Zach and Jack out of Indianapolis to offer affiliates who just said, I cannot take Stephen A. Smith in the morning. I can't. Do you have anything else? Because we're a proud Fox affiliate, but we can't take the show. And they said, okay, we'll get a second show. (laughs) And you wonder why I tell people not to get into this business. These are the stories why. But look, I mean, I don't know Stephen A. He did nothing to me, unethical. I'm just saying, look at this rise to stardom, fame, and absolute wealth. I will say this. Stephen A figured out that, look, cable television, and especially sports cable TV, it's like pro wrestling. You need to be a good character. He's a good wrestling-type heel on television. The whole black hat when they do live remotes with first take, and he's uh, you know trolling cowboy fans and would mock every Tony Romo failure. And have that unlit cigar as he strolled onto the set. I mean, that's that's straight out of wrestling. That's straight out of Vince, Vince McMahon. And it made him a star. Who cares if he didn't know Hunter Henry was on the injured list and wasn't playing? Who cares if he also said the N-word, please, on the air live? It doesn't matter. He was a bankable, colorful, and is a wrestling-type star for the network. $10 million a year for a guy that yells about sports. Think about that if you're an NFL player grinding your body into dust playing running back for $3.2 million a year and then Stephen A at $10 million a year is running his mouth about how bad you are. God, that must be fun. The Sooner Schooner has been sent to the injured reserve. Boo! The Sooner Schooner, the famous... Uh, covered wagon that goes out during Oklahoma pregame introductions that tipped over in a very scary incident this past weekend. It's been uh, put on the IR for the rest of the year. Direct athletic director Kenny Mossman said to the Daily, "We will repair the damaged schooner. Its future uh, f- future use will be for static display." It's possible that it will be back at a game this season, but it will not run. We are in the process of having a new schooner constructed. There's no timetable yet for when it will be ready. I would anticipate having it in time for the spring game. On the one hand, I don't like to see traditions go away just because of accidents. On the other hand, when shit's dangerous, you can't wait for somebody to die before you take action. Texas A and M used to have a very uh, notable bonfire that was during their <clears throat> excuse my voice uh, that was during their oh their week up their their lead up against Texas and the bonfire was massive and it was built by engineers at the school it involved giant logs and cranes and then one year the thing collapsed with some of the students in the engineering department underneath. And there was a couple of kids that died, and it was traumatic and it was horrifying. And you think to yourself, Jesus, nobody should die over a bonfire. I wish they could have scaled it down. Maybe they do, maybe they have scaled it down. They don't do it to that extent, but that tradition is now gone. I don't want the Sooner Schooner to go away. At the same time, though, when those horses take a sharp turn and that sco- that covered wagon at full speed, it's not gonna handle very well. They don't have rack and pinion steering on that thing. They don't have Benbo brakes on that thing. And all it would have taken is for someone to fall off the wrong way and to have that thing fall on their neck or their back. And it would have been a horror show on live TV. Gambling on football, you say. Well, well, well. So Monday night was a disaster for the New York Jets, but then again, they're used to those disasters at home. The New England Patriots once again, bent them over their knee and spanked them and said, once again, Jets, tell us who's your daddy. The run the Patriots have been on, not just in the AFC East, but just overall is stunning. This defensive unit that Belichick has assembled and certainly the secondary is absolutely amazing. And while I hate it because I'm sick of the Patriots, I admire it as well. Of course, this is the residue of doing as many little things right as possible and having a culture that is bulletproof, ironclad, and above all else. It just results in this kind of excellence. It doesn't hurt to have Tom Brady as your quarterback. But that said, the Jets are the exact opposite, just sort of like the Redskins are and the Browns too, A good extent, Bengals, Raiders, the bad organizations that don't know how to do stuff right, don't do it right, and then they end up with dumb shit. And it's the attention to detail that matters, everybody being accountable and thinking. For example, the Redskins on Sunday, they had a special commemorative ticket for the game that included pictures of previous championships going back to Sammy Baugh, including the three Lombardi trophies, won by the following quarterbacks, Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Mark Rippin. Well, they had the years attached to the pictures of the quarterbacks. The only problem was the years were fucked up on the ticket. They had the 82-1 next to Doug Williams and the 87-1 next to Theismann or something like that. And it was one of those deals where you say, what the hell? Why isn't anybody looking at this? This is not some scoreboard graphic that is up for 10 seconds and gone that's whipped up between quarters. This was a ticket that had to be printed. How did nobody in the organization proofread it and say, "Uh uh-uh, hold on a second. The dates are wrong with the pictures on the ticket. Attention to detail. Just like the Jets, they agreed to let ESPN and NFL Films mic up Sam Darnold. And they said yeah, okay, go ahead and do that, even though he was likely to perhaps have a bad game. The way it works is that NFL Films approves what can or cannot be released to ESPN, the broadcasters. Then it's up to ESPN to decide whether or not to go ahead and use the footage. The Jets, after Sam Darnold admitted to seeing ghosts while looking at the iPad film on the sideline, were reportedly furious because it made Darnold look bad. Now, I bet you many quarterbacks have quote unquote seen ghosts and many quarterbacks have seemed confused, but it just was a bad look in today's soundbite age in which you don't want that out there. So the question is, who let him get mic'd up? Why don't you have better control of that? You could say, well, maybe they don't have control. Maybe they have to by league requirements. Nah, I think there's ways around it. Just rip out the mic at some point if you don't want it in there. My guess is the Jets were so delusional coming off one in a row, their first win of the year against the Cowboys, with Sam Darnold looking pretty good coming off his mono, that he was going to kick ass and let's make sure to have it on camera. Let's make sure to allow them to mic it up. Attention to detail and doing little things right to be a better organization. Something the Jets don't have, something my Redskins don't have. It's what every bad organization does not have. So the NBA season has begun two games on Tuesday night, including the one team that still has marquee value, given all the changes of star players and the injuries that have set the tone for this 2019-2020 season. If you like parody, and if you are a basketball junkie, then this is the season for you. If you're an NBA fan who's a casual fan who wants to see the super teams and the star players, yeah, may not be the best year for you to watch. We start with the fact that two big stars are no longer on the Golden State Warriors, so the super team out west has been hit hard with the loss of Kevin Durant to the Brooklyn Nets. And out with an injury all season. As well as Klay Thompson, who stayed, but is out for all season with a knee injury. So, Klay Thompson, ACL, and Kevin Durant with his Achilles. Also, you have more players that were all pro, change teams. Or, uh, is that the term in the NBA? Uh, most NBA players, yeah, most all NBA players, not all pro, but most all NBA players change teams in one offseason. Kevin Durant goes to Brooklyn. Paul George goes from OKC to the Clippers. Kyrie Irving goes from Boston to Brooklyn. Kawhi goes from Toronto to the Clips. Kemba Walker from Charlotte to Boston. And Russell Westbrook from OKC to Houston. I would short the Lakers from winning it all, but I'm not sure the NBA is ready to allow a Nuggets-Bucks NBA Finals. Worse yet would be a Jazz-Pacers NBA Finals Vegas believes the Clippers are actually the favorites at 3.5 to 1, that the Lakers are second at 4 to 1. Your odds may vary. Check your local books. The Bucs then 6 to 1, Sixers 8 to 1, Rockets 8 to 1, Warriors 12 to 1 as well. I predict both LeBron and the Unibrow will miss 20 games at least, a piece. I believe they're 60 game players thereabouts. Because of injuries and age and just the way the NBA is. There'll be load management that's applied as well. I think the Lakers will be formidable at times, obviously, but I just don't see them having enough around those two big stars, along with Kyle Kuzma, to really be a factor. The Clippers are interesting, and there's other really good teams in the West. Like I said, the Nuggets and the Jazz are really good all-around teams that just don't have any stars that anybody knows about. In the East, look, I'm not discounting what Kemba Walker is going to do for Boston. That's a huge upgrade. Kyrie Irving really showed who he was, if you didn't already know that, this past year with all of his drama and whatnot. And I believe in Brad Stevens. The Sixers should be very good, but we'll see about their playoff metal when it comes time for April, May, and June. It's teed up for the Bucs. It is right there for them. You know, they lose Malcolm Brogdon. It was a tough decision in terms of they couldn't pay everybody and keep everybody, but given his ongoing shin problems and his availability issues, I don't think it's that big of a loss. This should be the Bucks' year to at least make the finals, if not win it all. And let's hope they seize upon that opportunity. And then finally, we'll leave you at this. <laughs> So let's say you're uh, we're living in an age soon to be of drone delivery via of a, a number of companies including uh amazon.com fedex is going to do this stuff as well. I'm looking at the picture of one of these uh first prototype delivery drones. It's a <clears throat> excuse me wing drone that has 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 16 8 10, probably 20 propellers on it and it's got an airplane wing two long bars full of propellers and a fuselage and a sort of a, a cargo bay that makes it, as I look at it here, it looks like the Spruce Goose, sort of. But it's a drone. So the headline reads, What if a delivery drone falls on your head? Thorny legal questions loom as services increase. <laughs> Oh, if only Jackie Childs could actually try a case in which a delivery drone fell out of the sky. Whose fault is it? Who owns the airspace above your house? What reasonable precautions could you have taken to not get hit by the drone? What precautions, what what responsibility was it? Like, if a gust of wind or a bird or an eagle or a kid with a BB gun in the next yard shoots that drone down and it lands on your picnic and mortally wounds or kills your child. Well, that's why, as the saying goes, there will be lawyers. I'm sure they're working out in court. All right, that'll do it for me tonight. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for accepting the short run of just me on the podcast because I got a baseball game to watch. You might have heard about it. It's the World Series, and I'm pretty excited. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. Tell a couple friends. Rate and review, as always. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Like we did when spring began. Beyond, the- Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play play where you know when you win you're going to get paid because remember that's the whole deal winning is nice getting paid even nicer thank you Mr. X for the comment bottom line is this my bookie mybookie.ag. they've been with us now for two seasons they are a solid book